Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heat is Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat, who won in dominant fashion against the New York Knicks yesterday to take a 2-1 lead in their second-round series against the Knicks. We'll go through that game as usual, and then just look ahead to the next game tomorrow night, Monday Hopefully, a repeat of how yesterday's performance went. But first, we go back to yesterday, Game 3-1, hosting the New York Knicks, 105-86, to a game where Miami led wire-to-wire, and as the final score indicates, one with a pretty healthy margin as well. To absolutely no surprise between uh, the Instagram stories throughout the week, between the smile a Tuesday night that he was given off. Uh, Jimmy Butler, about an hour before the game started, was announced he will be back. Again, no big surprise there. So with Jimmy Butler back, the Heat still going with their 10-man rotation, going pretty deep into their bench. You know, those are like Haywood Highsmith, Zeller, Martin, Lowry, and Duncan Robinson, all coming off the bench still. So no changes to the rotation there yet. And then on the next side of things, they Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson still played, so they were fine. So Knicks going with the same nine-man rotation that they've stuck with throughout these playoffs, you know, provided that the games that, like, Randle was out, uh, as an example. Recap of the game itself, though. Heat took an early lead up 9-6 before going on a 14-4 run. That would put them up double digits for effectively, actually, no, for the entire game. There was a few times, I think it got to like 10 or, or so, but yeah, no. It was pretty much double digits from there on out. Cruising in the first quarter behind Jimmy Butler, 10 points, looking phenomenal coming off of the ankle injury. Uh, actually, a point of emphasis, I should say, that Jimmy was doing in the first quarter, showing that his ankle was fine. And then Jalen Brunson for the Knicks, fortunately, closed out the quarter with five points himself. Heat only up eight after the first quarter. So actually, yeah, I do have to take that back. They There were some times early in the game that it got back to single digits, but pretty rare for the most part. Second quarter itself, the Heat opened up the second quarter on a 12-2 run to go up 18. From here on out, actually I am certain that the lead never got below double digits. But from the point of the run onward, defense is really locked in on both sides with the Knicks managing to chip away a little bit Miami's lead. Got it back to 10 with uh, some Emmanuel quickly buckets. He had some really good buckets in the second quarter, in particular that was bailing out the Knicks. But once they got it to 10, Heat responded with a 7-0 run to go back up 17. It eventually settled at 14 going into halftime. So Heat, great response as the Knicks trying to build some momentum before going into the halftime. Instead, Heat keeping theirs. Third quarter itself, the Knicks did try to get it to single digits. I think they cut it to 10 one time and 11 another time, maybe 13 a third time. But Miami went on an 8-0 run in the middle to put themselves up 20 and then kept it around 20 for the remainder of the quarter, eventually being up 17 going into the fourth. So the thing here is every like, first quarter, Miami Heat won it by 8. Second quarter, Miami Heat won it by 6. Third quarter, Miami Heat won it by 3. So they still are continuing to win every single quarter and expanding upon the lead as we get to the last quarter of the game. 
Then the fourth quarter itself, for the most part, the Heat cruised through the fourth quarter with Jimmy Butler on the bench. Uh, they almost, almost got away with not having to play Jimmy in the fourth at all. But an 8-0 run by the Knicks cut the lead, Miami's lead down to 14. And for good measure, Jimmy Butler was thrown back in. He helped throw some water on anything that the Knicks had cooking. Uh, closing things out, Miami outscoring the Knicks in Jimmy's closing minutes, 10-5 to down the stretch to eventually get to our final score, 105-86, Miami Heat dominant win. Takeaways from the game. First up, Jimmy Butler, 28 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, on 9-21 from the field, 0-2 from 3, 10-11 from the free throw line, though. But most importantly for Jimmy, coming off of that scary-looking ankle injury game one Monday, sat out game two on Tuesday, and then had you know Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for rest, looked pretty much like right back into form Saturday. I mean, the point of production was there. The ability to manipulate the defense was there. His effort on the defensive end was there. And, again, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, he almost made it a point of emphasis from the beginning to show off that he was fine. So, as far as I'm concerned, Jimmy is all good for for Game 4 and for the rest of this series. Next takeaway, contrast that with the play of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, who Miami, for the most part, shut down. So, Jalen Brunson, only 20 points on 7 of 20 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3-point range. And Julius Randle, even worse... 10 points on 4 of 15 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3-point range. So Miami doing a good job not letting them get anything from distance, and then once they got inside the arc, just really making everything tough for them. Julius, uh, Br- not Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson in specific, Miami seemed to be really keying in on specifically doing things like shading or doubling him anytime that he was trying his herky-jerky stuff inside the arc. So cut that off and then made sure that Julius Randle couldn't really hurt them either. And if neither of them is really going to damage Miami effectively, then that's how you get the result we got. Uh, Building on their bad shooting performances as well, for the most part, this is a game that both teams shot absolutely garbage from distance. Miami Heat shot terrible 7 of 32 from three-point range, good for 22%. And yet, they managed to be better percentage-wise than the Knicks. Knicks going 8 of 40, good for 20%. So they did make one more three-pointer than Miami, but again, Miami keeping pace with three-pointers made. In this case, both of them made single digits very, very low. And then just not having to you know take as many attempts as the Knicks, therefore getting the better percentage. So overall, I mean, it's not great. 7 to 32 is not great. But if they can hold the Knicks to 8 of 40, then yeah, they, they can survive and actually thrive in other areas. It really had to be the other areas for Miami. They did, uh, next takeaways, they did tie turnover battle at 13, though the Heat did win the rebounding battle 50 to 48, so managing to draw, well, actually slightly beat the Knicks there. Though they did lose the offensive rebounding battle still 13 to 14. But despite losing the offensive rebounding battle, the Heat still won second chance points 18 to 14. So, granted, New York getting those offensive rebounds, but Miami doing a better job of, of getting that like second effort, right? Okay, they got one offensive rebound. That's fine. Just keep locking it down. And actually, now that I think about it, I would want to say at least two to four of those offensive rebounds 
was one of those situations, were two situations specific that were pretty much like stretches of offensive rebounding for the Knicks, right? Like you gave them three or four chances out of possession, and then eventually they got it in. Like, of course, if you give them that many times. But just to say that when you factor that in, it, it goes towards why, despite having more offensive rebounds in Miami, they didn't outscore them in second chance points because they were needing three or four offensive rebounds in a row just to get one bucket. So the big one here for this, I guess, if you want to try to wrap it up, like turnovers, rebounding, second chance points, is just Miami doing a good job of, of drawing even or slightly winning battles that the Knicks typically win. Like, Knicks typically win the turnover battle, rebounding battle, and second chance points. Miami took those away from them on top of the bad three-point shooting. And then for positives for Miami... Uh, first off, they really did emphasize whenever they would have uh, either Kevin Love or Kyle Lowry in the court, grabbing defensive reboundings and then immediately pushing those via outlet passes for easy fast break points. Game two, they had zero fast break points. Uh, game three, they won that battle 13 to nine. And again, that's another small battle where the Knicks typically try to win things out. Next takeaway where Miami was dominant. They dominated points in the paint, 50-36. to 36. Again, that's actually another area that we usually see the Knicks winning. Game 1, they beat Miami. I want to say it was like 62-40 to 40 something in the paint. So something ridiculous. Even though that was still a game Miami won, but it was much closer because the Knicks got to the paint. This game, Miami shut off the paint and then on their own end did a better job getting into the paint and getting easier looks inside. They also won points off of turnovers, 16 to 9, especially interesting considering that this team, I mean, these teams tied at 13 with turnovers. So, in other words, Miami doing a much better job with the opportunities that they got off of the Knicks versus what the Knicks got off of them. And then, lastly, where I think this game was truly won at the free throw line Miami going 28 of 31 from the free throw line, good for 96, 90% to the Knicks, 16 of 22, good for 73%. So Miami doing a better job of getting to the line. Uh, if I wanted to be charitable, I would say they got a little bit of, a, of an easier whistle tonight. Uh, there were a few calls in particular I might have disagreed with, but hey, after what happened with Game 2 where, where ref calls played a factor in the Knicks winning that game, you know, I guess turnabout's a little fair play here. But more importantly than, than getting more free throw attempts was knocking them down because winning 90% to 73%, even if, even if they had just shot the same amount of free throws, would have been significant. But then you add that on top of the increased volume at the free throw line that Miami ends up going plus 12 off of made free throws alone. And this is where I think like you step back and you start to see how Miami dominated this game. This wasn't a game that we typically uh, see where if one team is, you know, 20 plus points over the other, you're probably thinking like, okay, well, the team that that won in a blowout probably shot really well from 3 or or something along those lines, right? And there's just a big 3 3 point disparity. No, both these teams shot terribly from 3. It was all the little margins that Miami ended up winning. Second chance points, fast break points, uh free throw line, points off turnovers, just all those little margins kept adding up, adding up until eventually you had what was a 19-point win for Miami. 
last takeaway, and this is like a, a combo fun fact slash maybe a good encapsulation of what this, this game was. Uh, in terms of plus minus, every single one of those nine rotation players for the Knicks finished negative. In terms of the 10 players in Miami's rotation, they all finished positive. So throw out that one minute of garbage time because some other players got in there. But just like, let I would say that's the snapshot right there. The Heat, no matter which player was in the game, was finding some way to contribute and keep everything moving in the right direction. Whereas for the Knicks, they, they just could not find a good foothold to get a hold of. Miami takes game three, which is has huge implications for series tied 1-1. It's like the, the winner of game three, when the series is tied 1-1, wins something like 70-plus percent of the time. So, again, everything in Miami's way. They're up 2-1 in the series right now, but the job's not done yet. Game four is still coming up Monday night. Looking forward to Monday now. As usual, let's take a look at the injury report, and then we'll try to break down the game ahead of schedule. So, uh, for the injury report for Miami, everything looks all good, just the usual suspects. Unfortunately, Tyler Hero is still a few weeks out. Victor Oladipo listed as having a successful surgery, so congratulations to him. Hopefully that the recovery goes well. We'll check back in on him in the offseason. And then, I almost wonder if this is maybe like a bit of a joke, uh, Udonis Haslam was listed as out yesterday with a stomach illness. Uh, I mean that mainly from the standpoint of UD does not play a lot of rotation minutes for us now. So, I mean, no Jimmy Butler. That's the most important thing. Nobody else in the rotation, Struce, Vincent, Love, etc. None of them. They're all good. So, for Miami side of things, they're looking all good. For the Knicks side of things, Emmanuel quickly, their sixth man of the year candidate, did sprain his ankle so there's the possibility he could miss Monday's game, and obviously that would impact uh, their bench rotation. And it should be noted, Emmanuel Quickly was one of the few players who arguably had a decent game for the Knicks, uh, I think 12 points off the bench, and some big buckets, especially in the second quarter, as the Knicks try to mount a comeback. So at the very least, arguably a, a rotation player for him. Uh, for the game itself on Monday, what's at stake? Well... Miami's up 2-1, so a win on Monday puts them up 3-1. It's commanding position to finish this, whether that be in New York for Game 5 or back in Miami for Game 6, which, I mean, this is, again, kind of the same script we saw in the last series against the Milwaukee Bucks. They went up 3-1, and then they went into Milwaukee and won Game 5. It puts, it puts the other team in just a position where every game's a closeout now. Conversely, though, a loss in Game 4 would see the series tied 2-2. Miami would lose their home court advantage, and New York would have a little bit of momentum before going back for Game 5. So this is why we say job's not done. Just because you had to blow up Game 3 doesn't mean anything come Game 4. So the question becomes in Game 4 of what the Knicks can do to adjust. So, well, first question that they probably need to answer actually is what the status of Emmanuel quickly is. Because now's probably about the time that you got to have a, a bit of a sense of desperation if you're New York. You don't want to go back to New York down 1-3. So in that sense, probably about the time you start cutting the rotation. And that, I mean, again, the, from that, the status of quickly plays a big role. If quickly is out, well, then that makes it easy. You can run an eight-man rotation and let quickly heal while reallocating his minutes towards other players. 
it quickly is available to play, though, then I still think the target for uh, Tibbs to cut would be OB Toppin. Just does not seem to be very effective against Miami this series, and therefore just seems like the, the most logical one, uh, at least to me. The next adjustment for the Knicks is just try to find ways for them would be to try to find ways to get Julius Randle going. The Heat are making it a point of emphasis to cut off uh, Jalen Brunson and his game. So therefore, kind of like on Miami side of things, the Knicks are trying to shut down Jimmy Butler. So what's Jimmy doing? He's drawing double teams almost on purpose and then kicking it out to try to get other players good to great shots. The Knicks need to do the same thing except have Brunson be the one drawing the double teams, which Miami is throwing double teams at him. So that that's definitely something that they that Brunson could draw and then have that kick out to other players, maybe even like a Julius Randle type. Like maybe run some Brunson Randle pick and rolls and see if you can you can get Randle going off of like the short roll or something like that instead. Just whatever the Knicks do, they need they need one of those two to have an efficient scoring night against Miami if if the Knicks are hoping to win this. Uh, other potential adjustments they could start their backup center, Hartenstein, over their current starting center, Mitchell Robinson. Robinson's been getting hit with foul trouble consistently throughout the series, so if you have him come off the bench instead, maybe that could help limit some of the foul trouble. And then I would not be surprised if uh, whenever Miami has, like, especially Kevin Love on the court, if the Knicks maybe try to back off the offensive glass just a little bit to help defend against those love outlet passes. Like Miami making an, another point of emphasis that if the Knicks are going to crash the offensive glass and love's on the court and he can get a hold of that ball, he's going to pitch it ahead to somebody for easy fast break points. And if that cost is more than the benefit the Knicks are getting from the offensive glass, well, then they need to shift what they're doing and focus more on limiting Miami's transition buckets. After that, the only other things I guess the the Knicks could really hope for is shoot better from three. Like the one game that they've won so far, game two, they shot 40% from three. They probably need at least 30 plus percent from three to, to properly compete with Miami. And then also hope that Miami doesn't have a great shooting night as well. Miami 35, was it? Yeah. 33%, 35%, and now 22%. So the Heat have not had a great three-point shooting game either. So if they get that in game four, well, it might not even matter what the Knicks end up trying. So last adjustment I have for for the Knicks, uh, potentially, hope something happens that causes Scott Foster to be the ref on Monday, maybe getting some bailout calls, because... Outside of better three-point shooting and, you know, maybe some more favorable ref whistles, I'm not sure what the Knicks really can do to, to on their end to, get, to take game four. On Miami's end, game plan went just about as well as things could have gone, especially considering the bad shooting night. For them, it's, again, it's don't let go of the rope, keep, keep foot on their throw, whatever analogy you prefer to do. But stay engaged, stay physical. Jimmy's going to draw a double team, so that's going to be kicked out to other other players who are going to have to step up and keep knocking down shots. I mean, again, we had this happen this game. Max Drews, Bam Adebayo, Gabe Vincent to a degree as well, Haywood Highsmith, they all stepped up and knocked down some good shots here and there. So if they can continue that, 
I don't see any reason why they don't why Miami doesn't take game four and a three one lead in this series. So game one uh, sorry, game four will be on Monday night. Game five will be on Wednesday night. I will be back Tuesday after game four to recap that and then preview game five for Wednesday. I do thank you for hanging around though. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell off of Twitter. Also, check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball off of Twitter, especially for Celtic stuff. We seem to be on a collision course for the Eastern Conference Finals again. That'll be a good bit of fun. Uh, links for everything are in the show notes as usual. I will be back on Tuesday. So until then, hope you all have a good weekend, Heat Nation.